Welcome back to the Crow's Nest. My name is Jackson Shank, alongside my co-host Justin Valenzuela for episode 31. Some trade deadline talks and all things MLB. Justin, we've fallen a little bit behind on this podcasting thing, man. We're a little we're a little behind on the news. I mean, personal lives, man. So so difficult. We're trying to enjoy the last the last fruits of summer and uh quite frankly, you know, they're just just clogging up our schedule, man. Don't have enough time to record. Yeah, man. It's the dog days of the summer, as they say. Just grinding down work, getting that two weeks notice in, things like that nature. Car issues. You know how it goes, man. <laughs> just anytime you think something's going to go one way, life comes way out of left field and just, I don't even know, throws you out of home or something because it'll go the complete opposite direction for no reason. <laughs> every Every single time. I got a funny story, actually, I'll tell you about work. I just finished my last shift um, umpiring. So, and that could be the last time I ever umpire a slow pitch game, depending on what I do uh, next year at Seton Hall, if I stay for the summer or not. So I so I show up to the game, right, and I'm supposed to umpire, and it turns out uh, we have two umpires for this field. In slow pitch, you're only ever supposed to have one, okay? But... My boss called me up and was like, hey, I want you to be on this field rather than this guy because he's had bad reviews in the past and they have had complaints that he was possibly under the influence, which, by the way, you show up drunk to a a shift, you're done. You're so done. But anyway, game rolls on. Game one goes fine. He does his thing. But game two rolls around. He goes, you got the field. Don't worry about it. I was like. Uh, okay. So I just, you know, went on, umpired my game as normal and he goes to the bathroom. He, uh, he goes, walks around, checks out the other fields. And I think he's going to come back to my field where he's supposed to be. Right. Cause you know, you get paid to umpire, you should umpire. Uh, he just straight walks out of the, uh, walks out of the complex. I mean, his bag was still there, but turns out I, I, I had our concession stand radio my manager and my manager came up. I told him what was going on. And as soon as my manager starts driving away, the guy walks back in the complex and. Oh, my God, Uh, he he walks over to my manager and my manager finds out uh, he is he is very, very drunk. And. Basically, he just had to leave. (laughs) There's there was no other way around it. And. Because that like that can bring in so many legal issues if you have you have someone under the influence and if they drive home and stuff like that. But yeah, really really funny story. I got a coworker fired, I'm pretty sure, and uh, I think it was for all the right reasons, to be completely honest. But yeah, just thought I'd just thought I'd share that one of my last times umpiring, and that happened. Yeah, I mean, the amount of times, just so, I don't know if the audience knows, I work at Walmart, so I see quite a lot of things, and for those of you, though, for those of you who know, and those of you who don't know, I work at Newton Walmart, and Newton is just an inexplicable place, to be completely honest, it's, I have trouble, like, realizing that it's a real place sometimes, because, like, <laughs> it's just, it, it's, it's the sticks, it's, like, the ghetto, but just redneck edition. Eh, I, I don't know. It, it's pretty crazy there. So I just see a lot of weird things. And the other day I'm sitting in the break room and like 
it, not the other day. It was literally yesterday. So I'm sitting in the break room. I'm like, all right, my third to last day. And I'm just sitting in the Walmart break room eating McDonald's. And then it hit me. I was like, damn. I am in the Walmart break room eating McDonald's right now. <laughs> and, like, I don't know. It just psyched me out. And then I was just in a funk for the rest of the day walking around like, what the heck, dude? What has this summer been for me? But Walmart pays $17 an hour. It's $4 more than anything I'll find around here. Because, I mean, as a 19-year-old with no real-world experience, all I'm getting is minimum wage jobs for the most part. So, I mean, in that in that way, it was pretty cool. And I had a lot of friends working there, so it was a lot of fun. But the other day, bro, my brother, who went to military school, graduated and got his Eagle Scout. So we had his uh, his grad party and his Eagle Scout. Eagle Scout uh, party like at the same time but because he went to military school he's got a lot of friends from like all over the place so he brings a couple friends from Boston and their bus uh, lands at Port Authority in uh, New York at midnight and like it was I had no problem picking them up because I got out of work at 11 so I was like all right that's fine that's fine yeah. yeah fair whatever that's fine with me and I don't know like they were supposed to get a bus into Jersey and they're like Yo, we just got into New York. I was like, oh, you got to be kidding me. And then they were like, yo, the next bus from New York to New Jersey isn't until 1240. And then it's like another 30, 40 minutes. And I was like, so I have to wait like an hour and a half. Forget that. I drove into the city to pick him up. But then I was like, damn, I'm in the city. It's midnight. There's something to do around here. So me, my brother, and his friend, his couple of friends from Boston are just walking around New York City till like 430 in the morning. And that was that was pretty, that was pretty exciting. That's insane. That's yeah. Oh, I saw a lot of things, a lot, <laughs> a lot of things. It's definitely, it's definitely an interesting place at that time. Hey, shout out the grind, man. We're out here nine o'clock the next morning recording. Oh yeah, no biggie. Oh, I literally woke up at nine the next day. That was crazy. Awesome. Well, that's cool. I would. I, that's you know, that always seems like a great idea in theory, just running around the city at night. But at the same time, it's, you know, when you think about it, it's a little terrifying. <laughs> oh, no, I was there. There was times when crackheads were just walking up to me trying to bum a lighter or something. And I was like, oh, man, please don't do anything weird. Please, please, <laughs> please do not do anything weird. Stay away from me. Yeah. All right. <laughs> All right. We need to get into some talks on the MLB because the trade deadline has surpassed. It surpassed a couple weeks ago now. And Justin and I have... You know, there's some there's some big winners and there's some there's some real big losers from from this trade deadline. And I wanted to take a look and break down each team that we thought was. That we thought had a really solid trade deadline and some teams that really not so much. So, Justin, where else would we ever start other than New York? Uh, Talk about your Yankees. All right. Firstly. Yankees heading into the trade deadline, we we were kind of falling, but in the weeks after the trade deadline, we have plummeted and just not a very good month or stretch of baseball for the Yankees. But you know, lost five series in a row, just come off a three-game losing streak, lost like eight of our last nine, just just not a good team. But we went out uh, at the trade deadline, we traded for Andrew Benintendi, who is a very very good. Just he he's an all around tool for the Yankees. I think he would be. You were you were kind of hyping him up heading into the season. He's like, yo, he's one of the most important bats on our team. But then you also mentioned like, yo, we're a rebuilding team. He's probably our best offensive player. 
outside of Bobby Witt, obviously. And like he's probably going to be a piece of the deadline, get us some nice prospects. You got prospects. I don't know how nice they are, but you you did get prospects for Benintendi. Yeah. But you know, ever since ever since he became a Yankee, he's batting 213 with the Yanks. But I'm not too worried about that. New team, new clubhouse, new stadium. So many things swirling around in this world, uh, especially in this COVID world that we live in and stuff like that. Like he wasn't even vaccinated. There was that drama. It just he'll settle in. He's got plenty of time before October. Just look for him to get on base. He's a good middle of the order guy for us. That's a lot of depth and a left-handed bat. And he's young, so he could always improve. Uh, and then we, we we went out and traded for Frankie Montas, who you know was a pretty good a pretty good trade. He kind of owns the Houston Astros, so that's that's a nice starter to have. In two games, he's got a nine ERA with us. Again, it's early, new clubhouse. He's got to he got to figure things out. What I don't agree with is we improved our rotation by getting Montas, but then we took a step back. And traded away Jordan Montgomery. Now, Montgomery was only like a four or five spot starter for us. And he probably wouldn't have pitched much in the playoffs. Probably been more of like a bullpen appearance, stuff like that. But we trade him for Harrison Bader. Now, I have no problem with Harrison Bader. But I do have a problem with trading Montgomery for Bader. In three games with the Cardinals, Montgomery has a uh, 5-4 ERA. And it's just, it's frustrating because we took a bunch of steps forward and then took a giant step back by keeping our bullpen I'm not a keeping our rotation a little bit better but it could have been so much better. However, Bader is one of the best defensive center fielders, probably the best defensive center fielder in the entire league and now you got an outfield of Benintendi, Bader, um Aaron Judge at right and then you got Hicks off the bench at center, Stanton probably DHing but also being able to make a left field experience uh, appearance, Matt Carpenter at right field just it makes our bench a whole lot deeper, I feel like, and it, it adds kind of a, pl- a platoon feel to our uh, outfield. But Harrison Bader yeah. also hasn't played; he's hurt. So who even? Yeah, knows? yeah, that's that's the big thing that I was going to add is the fact that as much as you you know lost a bullpen piece for for a great defensive center fielder, can't really do a whole, a whole hell of a lot for you when he doesn't play. He hasn't seen uh, the he hasn't seen the field yet because he's been in a boot. So. Got some time to turn it around. We're about a month and a half out of outside of October baseball, which is, you know, winter go home type of season. So Yankees got to turn things around. We're going to talk about them later in the episode and their recent struggles. Uh, Justin, I can kind of break that down for you. But let's move on first. Get through this trade deadline news as we're going to talk about another former Royal, Whit Merrifield, who was traded to the. Trade of the Blue Jays. Not really sure yeah, we, why. Not really sure why this happened, but it did, and I just I thought it was kind of funny because uh, a statement was made by him um, after after one of the games uh, before the trade deadline. I think it was midway through the season. He was just like, "Yeah, you know, I'm kind of tired of this like mediocre act, or like I I want to win games, all this stuff. Like I really don't like the or like not." He didn't say that, but he ba- he basically, you know, gave a little check hook to the organization right off the jaw. And uh, I thought it was hilarious because he couldn't actually go to Toronto in the in the games that we went to because he was unvaccinated. Right. Uh, but he got traded to Toronto and now he has to get vaccinated in order to play. Uh, I I love Wit as a hitter. He's he's just one of those guys who seemingly gets on all the time. I mean, he's a 250 hitter in Toronto through nine games with 32 plate appearances. Nothing crazy. He's got eight hits. You know, he's he's wit. 
You know, he's a second baseman who's who's going to play well defensively. He's he can be a utility guy like he played uh, all types of different outfield for us. Sometimes we threw him in center field, um, but which is kind of that kind of that extra depth piece that I feel like a, a young and explosive Toronto roster kind of needed because all these guys are so flashy, so crazy. And which just kind of that model of consistency where, and it, I actually saw it. No one in the last like five years in the MLB has more hits than Whit Merrifield. It's crazy of all the people you would think you would not think that Whit Merrifield is up there, but Hey, shout out my Royals, man. They know how to get, they know how to get their guys. Unfortunately, we're not an, at a point right now where we can actually utilize them or sign them to big contracts. But anyway, yeah, they, uh, they know their hitters, but Whit Merrifield to the Toronto Blue Jays, just kind of, eh, but, uh, let's, let's talk about something bigger. Justin, uh, biggest swing in the trade deadline, buddy. Let's talk about the Padres because we're going to, let's talk only trade line trade deadline now, and we'll get to the bigger news on the other, on the other side of things. But first, Let me know what you think of what I think is the biggest fleece in MLB history at the deadline. Yeah, I mean, it was definitely a steep price. But if you want to talk about a team that can afford it, it's the Padres. They had so uh, like they just had so many young guys at their expense. They were already a pretty good team with, you know, glorified studs and Machado and Tatis. And then they had these younger guys coming up that were just, you know, all really, really good prospects. And. That's probably the best position you could be in. You're in a you're a great team already, and you have so many good prospects at your expense. Expense. It reminds me a lot of the Dodgers. Kind of ironic that the Dodgers still own them. <laughs> it, it, it's funny to me. Uh, but like, they they can afford to get rid of these prospects because they already have a solid team. That's already up. Now what could happen too is you know they have Soto for a couple of years. He's probably not going to sign a big contract just yet with them. And you know if he, if he decides, damn, I don't want to play here anymore, ship him off. Get get even more prospects. Probably not as much as you gave up, but you could still recuperate a lot of that, a lot of that youth that you lost. But to get Bell as well, Josh Bell, hands down, round of applause for them. Nationals L. Eric Hosmer almost blew this whole thing up, and then they went out and got Hater like a week before. So just a very dangerous looking team with a lot of young guys too. None of these guys are really that old other than Josh Bell, but like, they're this team is very, very young and very exciting, but that that is what kind of scares me about them. I will say that. Only because they're so young. How much experience do they really have? But then at the same time, man, like, Juan Soto won a World Series at, like, 20 years old and was the best yeah, player was, on the team. he was, so. like, 20 or 19. Mm-hmm. Holy, this, this, it's a very scary team, and if they put it all together, this could be a potential dynasty. You're right, and that's a big if, and that's a big if, and that's something that I want to point out is the potential on this team, Right. Juan Soto, we know that's, you know, that check mark, you know, move, move the line along. Right. If you if you take a look at his stats since he since he joined the Padres, he's batting 320 with 16 hits through 50 at bats. He scored 12 times, got a couple RBIs. And he not only that, he's walked 14 times. One of the most patient hitters at the plate only has seven strikeouts in those 50 at bats. This is a guy who's going to keep that number down. His OBP is going to be up. So Juan Soto, bonafide star, like you you know. Josh Bell, I think maybe was more of a defensive ad. You, as soon as you shipped out a 
a left-handed third or a left-handed first baseman. You wanted another. Didn't really want Luke Voigt at the at the first base position. So who do we who do they go out and get? Josh Bell. Now, Josh Bell is not the greatest hitter. Don't get me wrong. I think if you need a guy to pop up and hit a dinger uh, as soon as you know on try and on command, just try and swing for the fences in a clutch situation. I think he's a great guy for it. He's got a huge build, ball carries, but he's batting 135 since he joined the Padres through his, I believe it's, yeah, through its fit through his 52 at bats. He's played 14 games. So, you know, and yeah, you're right. It's, it's a new, new clubhouse, you know, new, new things. It's new days. It's whatever. Juan Soto made the adjustment very quickly, obviously. I personally, I would love to see him sign an extension there because why would you not want to play baseball in San Diego for the rest of your life? It's one of the most beautiful ballparks. It's it's one of the best places to live in the country, and it has a great culture around the stadium. So why not, right? Yeah, um, I really think this team— Go ahead, go ahead. Sorry to cut you off. Just You're, no, you're, all you're saying all, all the things I want to say as well. It's just— yeah. Very scary what this team could be over the next few years because it's not like they're old, man. Like these guys are young and can, they could improve even more than what we've already seen, and that's what's really scary to think about. Yeah. One one last guy, real quick, Brandon Drury, who they brought in another another infield ad as he play as he's going to stock the third base position. Really cool to see him. You know, first pitch he saw in San Diego, he hit for a grand slam out of the park. I thought that was kind of insane. But uh, that's that's a cool story. But same time, he's only batting 216 through his 14 games. But this team, much like the Yankees, is going through its woes when it comes to bringing in all these new players and then instantly plugging them into the lineup. You know, they're not used to where they're at and they're in the order. They've got different players that they're playing with. So it's going to be an adjustment period over the next month, but I could definitely see them heating up going into the postseason as a strong wildcard team. And last thing, Hader is the exact same way. Hader's got a 10 ERA through three, through three games, right? But at the same time, He's a closer. He doesn't pitch many innings. It's really hard to keep your ERA down. If you give up one earned run in the in that one inning, your ERA is already a nine. So, you know, that's that's just the life of a closer. So as he gets more appearances, we'll we'll learn and see if this was worth it, because this was essentially a one for a two for one. Uh, sorry, a number one ranked for a number two ranked closer in a trade that that they got with with Hater to the Brewers like they already had a really really solid closer in Tyler Rogers now to go to Josh Hater much much different you get you get a guy who has a little more or who has a little playoff experience but at the same time didn't perform too well in the playoffs so that's the Padres huge 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 swing they're definitely going to be the cover team for this episode as They've just gained so much potential. They they threw away one of their top prospects in C.J. Abrams, but outside of that, man, I'm I'm really a fan of what they done and I what they've done, and I think it gives them a lot of flexibility for the future. Totally agree. Actually, I want to ask you about that. Do you think C.J. Abrams is really that big of a loss for them? Considering not they have you, not, Tatis, not when you get Juan Soto in return. Not when you get yeah. Juan Soto in and return. And like even 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 with getting Juan Soto, he was a shortstop. Same position as Tatis. Like he's going to be out of position, learning something new. I'm not. I'm not entirely sure if the Padres were bringing him up 
through the pipeline playing a different position. But as far as I'm concerned, he was a shortstop. So here's here's my thing, okay? And we'll get to this later in the episode because I want you and I to talk about it detailed. But I'll I'll give a short little statement here. You're paying Manny Machado so much money, right? And now you have two young guys who you have to pay large contract. The size of Manny Machado is actually bigger. Okay. The question is, right, now that you have Juan Soto and you have a couple years to figure out if he wants to play there, you can ship him off, whatever. Do you think it's time to move on from Tatis? Hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm. You said we're mm-hmm. gonna talk about this later. Yeah. So all right, just all right. I'll bank that. Just, I'll keep just think on that later. for the rest of the episode. Anyway, right, yeah. Give me give me some Red Sox updates because I I really don't understand what they were doing at the deadline. Yeah, I don't I don't know. I heard they were trying to ship JD Martinez and all this stuff, and I was like, all right, they're definitely Christian Velasquez, and I was like, all right, all right, they're definitely, you know, the the Orioles are about to overtake him. They're probably gonna sell, and you know they did sell. They traded away Christian Christian Velasquez and these guys, and then they went out and got Tommy Pham and Eric Hosmer, and I was like, what the hell? It's just weird. Like I don't I don't know what those do for them. It doesn't really improve them. It doesn't really make them worse. Losing Kristen Velasquez definitely makes them worse. One of the best catchers. And then you know they traded him to the Astros too of all teams. Like really, how are you gonna how are you gonna load up probably the most formidable team in the American League right now? Like how how are you gonna do that? Probably one of the most dangerous teams in baseball. One of the one of the sneakiest teams. They're always good. Always 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 good. You know they'll disappear in the beginning of the year and you're like oh. Astros are dead. They're done for. And then come August, they're like surging in the in the standings. They're just they're like that really annoying gnat that never goes away. But yeah, the, uh, very really confusing deadline moves to me. It's been a year just of confusion with the Red Sox because even going out and getting Trevor Story at the time was a very confusing move. It was like really the Red Sox. Okay, interesting. I, I think they wanted to remain competitive, but they're just they're not at the same. They're not in the same category as the Blue Jays or the Yankees and uh, <laughs> evidently even the Orioles. So they really need to just fire sale, get this thing rolling. And this is this was inevitable, in my opinion, because when they got rid of. Uh, when they got rid of Mookie Betts, it was like, all right, it's time to rebuild. And then they just kind of kept kept guys like J.D. Martinez, Chris Sale, kind of scrapped together these teams. And then, you know, they had a really bad year. And they got very lucky with the prospects falling in the draft. And then they had a very good year the year before. And then they kind of retooled. They went out and got Trevor Story. But it's like, damn, clearly that year was pretty uh, pretty much a fluke. So I think it's time for the Red Sox to just fully uh, embrace the rebuild. And I know that's hard to do for a team like that that's been so good for so long and, you know, consistently winning World Series and stuff like that. But it really is time with this team that the the nucleus that they were they're just they're so old now the guys that you know won the meaningful things it's time to just embrace the rebuild embrace the youth boston yeah i think it's really hard this sorry i think it's been really difficult this year especially with how insane the AL wild card race is right you have seattle who's flying up the ranks you have the blue jays the orioles who we downplayed and said, yeah, you know, by this time this year, you won't see them in the wild card race. They're fighting for a playoff spot, right? And Boston, it just seems like with without Rafael Devers playing at MVP level, I don't think I don't think they're remotely close to a, to a playoff spot. They're probably five, six games, maybe even more back. 
but Devers is playing out of his mind. I wouldn't be surprised if they tried, if they're really going to fire sale, get rid of him and see what you can pull for him after having an MVP style season. Right. So. Mm, yeah. Red Sox, well, they got just, they just got mediocre pieces. stuff, man. Just mediocre moves. Yeah. Yo, honest. think think about think about the haul they could get though. You get rid of uh I don't know if I I personally would want to get rid of Rafi, but if you're really embracing it, Rafi, Bogarts, Martinez, there are a lot of guys that you could get that's rid a, of. That's a that's a big haul. That's yeah, a big you could, haul. You could get you could you could really retool. And then you got some pretty good prospects up in the pipeline. So Boston could do a pretty quick turnaround, but it really depends. I think where they need to adjust the most is the pitching, I feel like. Yeah. It's probably probably a good idea considering they're in, you know. Chris Sale with a capital L gets hit with a hit with a ball, just completely shatters his pinky. It looked like, and then just gets hit in the head too, or something like that, and gets a concussion. Dude, one of the most dominant players in, or one of the most dominant pitchers, or just nastiest pitchers, I feel like in the the recent years and it's just unfortunate because he hasn't stayed healthy yeah it's like i feel like the last three years now it's been like chris sale set to return from il immediately chris sale returns to il i was like damn what the hell bro? he pitched one game and he's already <laughs> hurt again it's crazy it's tough man it's yeah, tough it's okay slow. all right let's talk about something that another another move real quick we gotta we gotta hit on this because justin and i were baffled when we saw it joey gallo Justin, the man who is tanking your roster, but somehow, somehow ter- has kind of turned it around in LA, dude. I don't know what the Dodgers were thinking going and getting him. I- I'm not entirely sure what they were looking for in a man who strikes out more than he gets base hits. But like, you know, he's batting 261 through nine games. He's got got a couple of homer, or got a few homers. But, you know, he's still he's still striking out. He's got 10 Ks or 23 at bats. But, hey, you know, Dodgers just trying to add more depth, pinch hit bat when they need it. Maybe a little pop. Yeah, because. Oh, yeah. my gosh. Yeah. I, I don't I don't understand the move, but somehow, you know, maybe it's the beard, man. Maybe the, because the scruff's back. Maybe that's why he's playing well. I've I feel like I have seen several players now who have gone to the Yankees lost their facial hair and because of that play worse yeah well oh it's the facial hair no bro it's the pressure of playing in new york (laughs) some dudes just not are not built to handle new york it's it's quite the environment it's very different from you know anywhere else and and that's just a fact you can't argue with it it's just something about playing for the new york yankees and wearing those pinstripes adds a lot of pressure to dudes and some people can't handle it but the thing the thing that the dodgers definitely saw was like whoa a guy that hit 30 home runs. Gimme, 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 gimme. That's exact. That's exactly what the Yankees saw. And they're like, oh, we need that on our team. Like he and a, a pinch, a good pinch hitter, please. When has Joey Gallo ever been clutch, bro? When is he ever gonna hit a you know pinch hit home run or a pinch hit double or something like that or a pinch hit single in, in the clutch? Absolutely never. He, he, this is <laughs> this is nothing different than what I saw with him on the Yankees. Because when we traded for him, it was like, whoa, this guy's striking out a lot. Like what? Well, it's good with dude. And then I'll clobber like three home runs in a series. And you're like, whoa, <laughs> Joey Gallo, whoa. Like through nine games, he has three home runs. All right, cool. He struck out 10 times. So he struck out at more than once every game, basically. And it's just 
And it's a small sample size, too. Like, there was times where, like, whoa, Joey Gallo's heating up. He's batting 220 now in the last four games. Like, really? This is <laughs> this is how desperate we are to, like, make him look good? Are you serious right now? That's that's exactly what this is. 261 through his first nine games. Keyword, first nine games. Let's see how he does in, like, by the end of September, we'll really see if the trade was worth it. But they definitely think they could just, like, resurrect his career or something. And I think Joey Gallo's just... I think he's just a lost cause, to be completely honest. Something is he, he got he got the Chris Davis syndrome. <laughs> well, Justin, here's the thing. You know, you look at a player with high upside where it's that oh 30 home runs, right? As much as that's a false reality, for what they gave up for Joey Gallo, it was really nothing. Yeah. Right? It was, I'm pretty I, I think it was one prospect who was not like crazy yeah, high on like, their totem pole. Yeah, we got like their 15th or 14th ranked prospect to get rid of him. Right. Yeah, it didn't take much. He re- he needed like Jackson. He was I think Joey Gallo is actually the reason the Yankees are plummeting so so hard right now. Like he just he put our locker room in such a funk, bro. And the fans like he needed to get going like and honestly good looking for Cashman because him being on the Yankees was not it was not good for like his mental health in any way. Like, yeah, I know you, I know you saw those interviews and stuff like that, talking about how he doesn't, he doesn't like to show his face much around New York, and like he's, he basically just told it how it was. The fans are, you know, affecting his mental, and it's true. I've been to a lot of Yankee games, and even in the beginning, I can only imagine in the summer, but like in the beginning of the season when we were starting to get hot, and it was like the Yankees are skyrocketing, and Joey Gallo is flatlining, like. The fans would let him know. They're like, Joey Gallup. Oh, everyone, like, yo, the second Joey Gallup comes up to bat, all right, time to get food, time to go do something, time to go to the bathroom because Gallup ain't going to do nothing. He's going to take four strikes and be out of here or four four pitches and he's out of here. So it, it was rough, and I know it got bad in the summer too. I know it did. God, he would he would love playing for the Royals. Yeah, so, that's so easygoing mid Midwest people. <laughs> exactly. That's that's he why I feel like so he was so mean, bro. Yeah, no, we we suck. And like I, I acknowledge that we suck, but that's what makes us great is that we suck. But like with the Rangers, pause. he hit pause. <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah, hard pause. You're right, you're right. Wow. Yeah, you caught me lacking there. <laughs> but like I think he just needs to be on a small market team. I think he could be a pretty good player on the Royals. You know, hit 30 home runs, but he'll he'll make you really frustrated when the Royals are actually for the first time in forever on the verge of winning a game, and then he strikes out and you know doesn't take advantage of like bases loaded or something like that. Because I saw that a lot, bases well, loaded. Yeah, I, oh, Joey Gallo strikes out. You know, I only brought that up because he played for the Rangers. You know, he was no, that's it what was I'm saying, chill, yeah. laid back, and that's why that's why I think he hit. I think he played so well there because it was, you know, a laid back environment, not really a good team. Not not a lot of pressure, didn't push towards the playoffs, yeah, that type of thing. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, let's let's pivot gears to another team who's who's really trying to push for the playoffs. Let's talk about the Houston Astros and, you know, Justin, I know you hate talking about these guys, but man, this is what good management and good coaching does to a team. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, but like Screw the Astros for cheating, but darn their management is good. You lose George Springer, right, and you lose Carlos Correa, and you're still – you are still the best team in the American League. It's got to be one of the best clubhouses in baseball. Dusty Baker needs, like, the biggest raise 
the man is an actual fossil and he is crushing people, right? So Trey Mancini and Christian Vasquez are now on the Astros. And Trey Mancini has had a heck of a year with the Orioles. He's not having the greatest, you know, stretch with the Astros. 12 games, batting 222, not the greatest. But hey, Christian Vasquez in 10 games. I mean, it's only 10 games, like you said, Justin. 273. And you know what they needed more than anything? Someone other than Maltine Maldonado. And don't get me wrong, Maldonado, solid catcher, just not recently. He's been falling. I think he packed on 20 pounds in the offseason. He's looking a bit, he's been looking a bit stubby. So to see them add two solid bats, I can't remember who they replace at first base now with Trey Mancini. I'm not sure who their first baseman was before, but I mean, Mancini was a guy who was having a great year in or with the Orioles. I mean, he was batting 270. He's, I mean, he had 10 home runs, nothing like crazy, but at the same time, to add to add that kind of piece with a you know he's he's slugging 500 you know you know he's he's doing a little bit and you know his his OBP's around 350 so he gets on just you know solid additions to the lineup when you have no weak points in your lineup it is hard to lose games because you know what it is it's the next man up oh man I just got through the eight hitter on five pitches. Now I got to face the nine hole, but this nine hole's batting 250 on the season. Like, it's not like he's a slouch. This isn't a guy who's batting 190 who they're throwing at the bottom of the lineup going, oh, yeah, this is our ninth guy. He makes it because he's solid defensively. No, all these guys can hit the ball. All these guys can hit the ball. And Houston's pitching is so dominant that if if they can score a few runs each game, I feel like their pitching can hold which is why this team has been so, so great since the deadline. Yes, Justin, your Yankees no longer have the best record in the American League. Yeah, man, it's a little a little upsetting. Yankee baseball has definitely taken a step back. But, man, hats off to the Astros because this is a team that is just a model of consistency and doing the right things constantly outside of the things that, you know, they shouldn't be doing. But, like, I mean, like, as far as building a team goes, you know, I think their two biggest weaknesses heading into the deadline was first base had to replace Yuri Gurriel. Not a good, not a good, not a good player at all. And, you know, Martin Maldonado has taken a significant step back. Was a good catcher. Not so much anymore. All right, let's be low-key. Let's go out and get Trey Mancini, Christian, Christian Vasquez. Nothing crazy. Like, it's not like they're going out and trading for Juan Soto. However, these are above-average players that are now on your roster that replace below average to average players it's just a model of constantly getting better for the astros can't get rid of them just really really good job on their end great deadline for them they didn't they didn't screw around with their rotation they didn't screw around with you know replacing a starter and you know getting a rental center fielder and left fielder they they went out and did the damn thing and you know now they're showing it because they have the best record in the american league Great work, man. Great work by Houston. Uh, I mean, there's literally nothing else to say. Good. It is it is amazing what happens 
when I mean they, I don't I don't feel like they have the craziest amount of money. Here, let me let me let me look this up real quick. So Astros payroll real quick. Let's see where they're at. They're at 157 mil, which is middle of the pack. Middle of the pack. And why I love a salary cap in sports, you know, go me, small market teams, is because it shows how great management needs to be in order to win games, right? Here's the thing. Right now, if the NFL did not have a salary cap, I can guarantee you the Dallas Cowboys would be the number one team in sports. They'd be so dominant. They are the highest valued team at like $5.2 billion, right? But, be, well, and with that money, Jerry Jones would go and buy whoever the hell he pleased. But they haven't won a playoff game in 25 years. Why? Their management and coaching sucks. The talent is great there, right? But the coaching and the management is horrible. This is the beauty of having a really, really, really good front office because those teams, when they have a restricted amount of money, when they don't have that extra $50 million a year to say, go get a Freddie Freeman and just buy their way through the season, they have to make do with what they've got, and it's beautiful thing by by Houston. And I hate talking them up because of what's what's happened in the past, but now that the slate is clean, I'm really starting to become a fan of how they play their baseball. Yeah, it's hard not to acknowledge the greatness of the Houston Astros. Like, are we approaching on the time to forgive them for their past and all of that stuff? Probably. Am I going to? Absolutely not. I'm so petty. However. I definitely give them their credit and hats off to them because this is it's just impressive at this point. Like it's frustrating, but like you have no choice. But that's how I felt with Brady, too. I know I'm kind of coming out of left field with this, but it's so hard to like him. But you have to respect him. And that's really what the Houston Astros remind me way too much of the New England Patriots, to be completely honest with you. Yeah. All right. That's all things trade deadline. Now we're going to get into some quick hitters. We're going to hit three topics really quick. Tatis, the Yankees, and Brett Beatty, right? So, Justin, I presented this question earlier in the podcast when we talked about the Padres. But Tatis, 80-game suspension now for his ringworm ointment, in quotes, right? 80 games for PEDs. Has a history of motorcycle accidents. Hothead, poor fielder, great bat, don't get me wrong, all-star level bat, insane, insane young talent, young, fresh, great shortstop, or uh, solid shortstop, you know, he, he makes errors, like I said. If you are the San Diego Padres, because as soon as I saw this happen, this is what I was thinking. Okay, if I'm the San Diego Padres... I'm sorry, but I'm I am doing whatever I can to get a deal done with Juan Soto. I don't care if it's short term. I don't care if it's long term. I don't care if it's four years or nine years. Right. I'm getting it done. okay? And I'm going to let Tatis play the remainder of his contract and I'm going to get rid of him. That is just my decision. When you see a pattern of behavior in a player and unless it drastically changes immediately, I do not see it changing moving forward. I do not. I see Tatis staying, staying with the flair, sticking with the craziness, and you know he is the talk of all things media. He does a great job staying in the news. 
And I don't like that. I w- if, if my player's in the news, I want it to be, wow, Juan Soto's probably the greatest young prospect we've ever seen. He's probably one of the best players in baseball. He walks more than anybody. He does a great job getting on base. He's a selective hitter. What bad things have you heard from Juan Soto? None really, other than the fact that he didn't want to play in Washington. But how bad is because that? Of, because of poor management, who's yeah, lost yeah, four, exactly. who's lost really, four insane-level yeah. talents over the past four seasons. Yeah, do we, do we, yeah, do we really, really, really fault him for that? Absolutely not. Jackson, that's a, that's a great question, and I honestly hadn't thought about, for me, it was always like, all right, in a couple of years, you know, trade away Soto, but what if it's Tatis in a couple of years, you know, trade away Tatis? And it, you're, you're definitely right, man. He's, from the get-go, he's been a problem, and I remember... Well, it might have been two years ago. I think it was I think it was during the COVID season. And or it might have been the year after that or the year it twenty nineteen through twenty twenty one. In that range. And once I tell you this, you'll probably remember. Padres started off really, really hot and then they free fell and didn't make the playoffs. And towards the end of the season, him and Machado started to get into it. And Machado was yelling at Tatis and was talking about how like you're a selfish player, this isn't all about you, this is about the team, blah, 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 blah. And then they, they quote-unquote, squashed the beef and were just like, oh, it's the heat of the moment thing. They were both in the wrong, blah, 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 blah. But it's a good point to bring up. Tatis is self-centered, at least in the eyes of Machado. And, you know, he kind of does give off that vibe. I mean, he just got suspended for PEDs. He got into a motorcycle accident. Like, it's it's very self-centered things that he's doing. And it's, do you want that to be the face of your team? And if you pick him over Soto, then you, you look pretty foolish at the same time. You got a couple years for the two of them. You got to figure it out. But what what the Padres might what really might be the downfall of the Padres is Tatis starts demanding money. Even though it's hard to demand money when you just got suspended 80 games. So now he just he just kind of gave the Padres all the leverage. It wouldn't what an idiot wouldn't idiot. He gave them all the leverage in the situation. And now he might get himself kicked out of here in a couple of years. So. Horrible, 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 horrible thing. SMH. I'm SMHing right now, but I'm disappointed. Yeah, I'm in, I'm I'm really interested to see how the management handles this because I I think you could also do this, right? When when does Manny Machado's contract end? Uh, not for a while. They signed him for like an eight year eight year contract. Well, they signed him for a ten year, right? Oh, ten years. So here's the thing: Machado has seven years and two hundred thirty million dollars remaining on this contract, which is crazy. They're paying him till he's thirty seven years old. He can actually opt out of that after this season. Yeah, but is he going to want to do that? Probably I I doubt I doubt he will. So I guess I guess that was a false reality that I was thinking where maybe no Danny Machado leaves and then um, Tatis and Tatis and Soto get paid. But at the same time, who's going to want? I mean. I would want Manny Machado, even though he's going to be 31 next season. Oh, I so. would. I would. I would love Manny Machado, but at the same time, that's that's the other thing because Machado is also quite the character. He's not. He's not some you know saving grace you know little he, angel. He's mm, he lives in the headlines himself. Mm, don't lie. Mm, he has. He, he has. has. He has. Notice when he went to San Diego, and he got a long term deal, which he was happy with. Notice how how little he's he's been in headlines. No, he's still he's still been in them. There was an instant where he slid into second with his with his cleat up and he no. did it a couple times and started started some problems and had benches clear and stuff like that. It's just not to the extent it was in Baltimore, but he isn't he isn't, you know, the cleanest or in, person or even in LA. Even, yeah. Yeah. 
Oh yeah, definitely not in LA. Yeah. So that was a rental though. Big rental. I, right, but that doesn't change his behavior. I'm yeah. what I'm saying is I I think he has turned it around, like I talked about. I drastic that, that change. Manny Machado has made a drastic change because yeah. he's become well, a he's become a more likable player now. Anyway. Well we'll see because if if shit hits the boom. If if stuff goes downhill and you know Tati starts to become selfish and gets on the nerves of Machado, yeah. who's shown a temper, because that's that's the real difference. Tatis mm. th- doesn't have the temper, Machado has the temper. So if you if you get on his nerves enough, he might just snap. Well, you know maybe he won't be in the clubhouse for him yeah, to snap we on. We will see. The, the Padres are definitely going to be an interesting team to watch over the next few years. Yeah, hopefully Tatis and his 80-game suspension will stay healthy before he gets back so that by mid-time next season, he can come back. I remember thinking, oh, man, I can't wait to see Tatis in June. To think we won't see him until June or July of next year is kind of insane. Kind of insane. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway. All right, last two things. Yankees, we kind of hit on this earlier. Justin, it's about time they started winning – winning games. I mean they they won a big game against against Tampa, a uh, a division rival, right? Yeah. And lost the series though. Yeah, lost the series, but big big win last night. I mean, probably if you're going to have a spark, it's got to be a walk-off grand slam, right? Yeah. Cuz they're 4 and 11 in their last 15. I mean, I I'd, I'd be a tad concerned considering where we are in the year. They got a they got a month to turn around, so they got some time. Man, that's Mm, not a, not a whole lot of winning, but if you're gonna start no. somewhere, might as well be a Josh Donaldson grand slam. Not sure it would have been a home run in many other stadiums, but That's, hey, was it a grand slam? It was a grand slam. Yes. Okay. It wouldn't have been a grand slam in Tampa. It doesn't matter. It was <laughs> anyway, I think if if there's gonna be anybody to juice the team, of course it's gonna be Josh Donaldson. You know, he hits the. I would have loved to. I would have loved for it to have been Aaron Judge, but hey, I'll take Donaldson. Just. <laughs> Boom, Grand no, Slam. Be judge. Yeah, yeah, no, listen, listen. Boom, Grand Slam, bat flip. He's a personality. He's going to – hopefully it, it it energizes the team. We'll see, though, because IFK had a great game, and all the fans were like, the IFK game that saved the season. Duh, 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 duh. And then we proceeded to lose like two in a row to the Rays. I was like, okay, all right, sure, the IFK game, yeah. Like they said they said that a couple days ago, this is going to save the season, blah, 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 blah. Proceeded to lose another series. So – We'll see. I would love for this to be, you know, the juice that we need. But four and eleven in our last fifteen is not good, not good at all. Lost five series in a row for the first time since two thousand and five. The Yankees have lost five series in a row, only in the same season where we had one of the best starts in our franchise history would we do something like that that hasn't been done in fifteen plus years, seventeen years. Absolutely ridiculous. But hey, it's a storyline. Let's 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 have a good ending. Okay. All right. Last last subject. Brett Beatty. We're going to skip to the other New York team, the New York Mets, who brought up their top prospect. And boy, oh boy, did he not disappoint. He went one for four last night, but that one for four went for two home runs or went for two runs. And it went over Ronald Acuna's head into the right center seats in Atlanta. Big win for the New York Mets as they now push themselves four and a half games away from the Braves in the NL East. 
Justin, this this Mets team, man, you're talking about a model of consistency. There are a lot of there are a lot of people who are like, oh yeah, the Mets are winning series, is blah 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 blah, but they're going to play the Braves. What happens when they play the Braves? Bears. They have won the series every time. They are killing it. They are killing it in the back half of this season. Mets doing a great job making sure they can secure that top spot and that division win. And man, that that Mets team man is looking dangerous yeah, in the doing in the, the NL. Doing the damn thing. And then they got Vogelbach who's playing pretty damn well as well. Yeah, the big man on campus. Yeah, the Hamburglar. <laughs> nah, it's just a very good team. The Mets, very impressive. Had their way with the Yankees uh, in the end of July. Just, yeah, very good team, to be completely honest. Very For the first time, very formidable. At least not, not not the very first time, but the first time in a while, the Mets are a very, very good team. And heading into October, they look pretty damn dangerous. But it just it's unfortunate because they got to run through the Padres. They got to run through the Dodgers. So we'll see. We'll the Dodgers are going to be the true test. It's like yeah, the Dodgers will be. I think yeah. they can handle the Padres. I think that I think they can well, too. Right now, right now yeah, they can I, handle I, the Padres. Yeah, yeah, I think they can too. But the Dodgers are a very good team, always very good. But it's also, uh, uh, nah, I'm not gonna say it. I'm not gonna say it. They got to get through the Dodgers. That's definitely interesting. Yeah. All right. That's everything for for now, Justin. Man, it's it's good to catch up with you. I'm glad. I'm glad that we got to got to record this episode because so many important things going on in the world of baseball as we come around October. You and I are probably going to get our predictions in for the end of the season's end of the season awards along with the playoffs. So be sure to get started on that bracket. I I know damn well the Yanks will be in the World Series. So <laughs> maybe <laughs> we'll see how yeah, I feel we'll have them. to see. We'll have to see. But that's all for now. So for Justin Valenzuela, my name is Jackson Shank. We will see you all next time. Peace.